Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Alliance Church in Lexington, Kentucky. The sermon you're about to hear, Can These Bones Live?, was preached by our lead pastor, Paul Smith, on Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 to 14. It was recorded on January 8, 2023, and is part of our series, 40 Days of Prayer. Good to be together, isn't it? And to sing of the truths that we believe and give us hope and grant us strength. And so we're so glad that you're here this morning. If you have a copy of the scriptures and you can use your phone, iPad, however you want to do it, um, go to the Old Testament book of Ezekiel, the Old Testament book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 37, Ezekiel chapter 37. And I don't know if First Alliance is your home church, but make sure you have a church that teaches and preaches the scriptures faithfully. And so that is one of the values that we have in our church. We want to get God's word into our lives every day day. So Ezekiel chapter 37. And uh, we'll get into our message this morning as we continue our series on prayer. But just a couple reminders. We do, I lead a thing called Vertical that you're um, welcome to come to at 645 to 745 here at the church. Um, right here, we pray for our personal needs, needs in the church, community, and world. Um, we want to be a church committed to, pray, to praying. And so you're invited to that. It's safe. Um, and so it goes from 645 to 745. Um, also, once again, groups. If you're not in a groups, groups are so significant for discipleship. Jesus got his disciples in groups, and he taught them in groups. Uh, it's too hard to live the Christian life by yourself, and you don't need to do that. There's sign-ups right in the back, and our Engage magazine has all the group options. And then also college, you're back. Great to have you. Yeah, and so um, you're right after third service, 11 o'clock downstairs. Uh, we feed you. You have a great time. What's that? 1215. And so that's my wife, those of you who are visiting. And so help, mate. And so um, 1215. And so that's happening. And so um, imagine going to a church where there was this sense of high gratitude and thankfulness about what was happening. You know, that can happen and you can play a part in it. If you see anybody serving, like in the parking lot or coffee or children's ministry, and, and we're thankful for everybody in the worship team, but six college bros. I mean, wow, that was great. Um, Say thank you. Like, hey, thank you. That means so much. That just means so much. And so um, that's one of the commitments I'm going to take this year is this sense of, I want to say is thank you to as many people as possible because they don't have to give their time that way, but they're choosing to. And so let's all do that together. And so, I mean, imagine where people were like, okay, enough, enough. I know you're thankful. Okay, enough. So, um, but um, I'm going to preach this morning. And I'm glad you're here. So let me pray, and then we'll get into the message. And so, Jesus, um, we come expectantly, and we come in great need. We come in great need of um, a vision of what you want to do. Jesus, you came preaching good news, the good news that, God, you are the God of the impossible. You can do that which we cannot do. And we will be brought into situations to where we throw up our hands and say, I can't. And you say, that's exactly where I can. Allow us to see your great grandeur and beauty and glory expressed in the gospel and in the person of Christ. And the church said together, amen. Well, this is the fourth year that we have taken the month of January to focus on the subject of prayer as a congregation. Until God says otherwise, uh, we will continue that. In fact, our entire faith family, the Christian Missionary Alliance, is focusing on prayer and being a people of prayer because we truly believe that God works 
when his people pray. In fact, one of the values that we have as a church is expectant prayer, that we desire and will be, we will boldly and unceasingly come to the Father in prayer to advance his mission and his kingdom in the world. We see in Luke chapter 11 that Jesus, Jesus comes from a time of pray, prayer, and his disciples say, Jesus, would you teach us to pray the way you pray? Because we believe that they saw that everything that Jesus did flowed from his prayer life, his relationship with the Father. And same is true with us. We also see that there's a time in Jesus's life and in the Gospels where he shows righteous anger. He's angry in the right way for the right reasons for the right amount of time. And he comes into the temple and he overturns the tables and he says, this is not right because my house, my father's house should be called a house of what? Prayer for all nations. He desires all people to know the, know the father through prayer. We know we, and also we know that the work of God is started and is sustained by prayer. It's started in prayer and is sustained by, when it, by prayer. And whatever is your calling, whatever that is, a husband, father, and in the workplace, you've got a calling. And your first calling in that calling is to be a man or woman of prayer. Paul is teaching Timothy how to pastor a church in the book of First Timothy. And he says, this is the first thing I want you to do. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Interceding, to, interceding, interceding for them. That's the very first thing you do. And we also know that the enemy will attack your prayer life. He will, not might attack your prayer life. He will attack your prayer life. Because David Early, the author, has said this, prayer is not the only thing a Christian does, but it is a single indisputable spiritual difference maker in every generation. So the last thing the enemy wants you doing is praying. And so all, one of the things we say is, I'm just too busy to pray. Charles Spurgeon, who produced tremendous amounts of work, volumes and volumes of sermons, volumes of books, said this, it is a great mistake to believe that we are too busy to pray, for praying is a saver of time. God can multiply your ability to make use of time, because I believe that when we pray, the truth and the promise of Isaiah 64 comes to bear on our life, and it's this. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has, no, no, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen a God like you who acts on behalf, who works out in front, setting up for them, who acts on behalf of those who wait on him, who don't rush ahead, but stop and say, God, this is my day. This is my opportunities. These are my pressures. These are the situations. I bring them to you first. You come to the help of those who gladly do what's right. And what is that? Who remember your ways. Who say, stop and pray. And I focus on you first. You see, today we're going to do this. Um, we will focus on specifically praying for and submitting to a greater work of the Holy Spirit. Today's focus in prayer is praying for and submitting to a greater work of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to ask you that this week, Monday through Saturday, that you take five minutes, five minutes, and would you stop and would you pray in the morning, in the afternoon, or in the evening? And when those issues come into your life, stress, opportunities, relationships, difficulties, whatever they are, individuals, would you specifically pray, God, would you grant them, that child, um, that friend, 
Would you specifically grant them a greater measure of the Holy Spirit? And would you grant us greater submission to the Holy Spirit? And then also, after today's service, I'm not going to ask you to rush out of here. Um, This altar will be open or right there at your seat. Would you take time and just say, Father, would you fill First Alliance, fill your people with a greater measure of and greater submission to the Holy Spirit? We've been called to give life-changing hope to our community, and we can't do that without the filling and the work of the Holy Spirit. You see what was read in Acts chapter 1, but you will receive power, God's power, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And we call upon the Holy Spirit because we believe that the whole work of the whole gospel, as we will see today, is the work of the Holy Spirit. The whole work of the whole gospel is the work of the Holy Spirit. And this is shown clearly in the passage that we will be looking at, Ezekiel 37, these dry bones. He says to Ezekiel, can these bones live? And if you're here today, I want you to know that I've got good news for you. Great news. That God can bring dead things to life. So what's the issue? The issue that seems hopeless The issue that you've given up hope, the relationship, the reconciliation, maybe the pain, um, the wound inside just won't stop. Our God, the good news, he brings dead things back to life. I'm so glad you're here. I've been wanting to preach this since Monday. And so um, let me put this in context. Let me put this in historical context, and then I'll put it in specific context. The historical context, the first truth comes from Ezekiel 37. Don't turn there. I'll, sorry, chapter 36. Don't turn there. I'll read it to you. The historical context of what has happened. The second thing is what will happen. And then the text that we'll be reading of what God wants to happen. You see, what did happen comes in verse 26 of 36, God says, I will put my, give you a new heart and put my spirit in you, and I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, and then you will put my spirit in you to follow my decrees. That's in reference to the new covenant that Jesus initiated in his death, burial, and resurrection. That's where God sends his spirit to live inside of us. He removes that heart of stone, and we're given a heart of flesh to where we know God. That has happened. At the very end of chapter 37, God speaks of what will happen. At the end of chapter 37, verse 27, God speaking, after all of the promises are fulfilled, he says, my dwelling dwelling place will be with them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord who makes Israel holy and my sanctuary will be amongst them. God says, I and my presence will be with my people, not just my people, but all of the nations. That's a reference to Revelations 21, where John sees a vision. I saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down from the heaven from God. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now amongst his people. God never gave up on the original vision that he had in the Garden of Eden, where God would dwell with his people. And all of salvation history is moving to that point. And it won't just be a garden. It'll be a glorious city of every tribe, tongue, and nation will live by the light and the love of the God that they now know. But until that day comes, how are we to live? We are to live in the principles and the promise 
of the Holy Spirit that we see in Ezekiel 37. Now, that's the historical context. What about the specific context? Well, Ezekiel is speaking to the nation of Israel that is in exile in the nation of Babylon. They've been carrying off as prisoners. Um, why, have they, why are they in exile? Why are they prisoners? It's because they wandered from God. And they wandered from God spiritually. They began to worship other gods. And Ezekiel 37 is God responding to this remnant among them that is saying this about themselves and to themselves. In verse 11 of Ezekiel chapter 37, it says this. They say, God speaking, the nation of Israel says this. Our bones are dried up, meaning we're dead. Our hope is cut off meaning our meaning, our purpose, our identity. And they were called to be a nation to give hope to other nations. It says, we're not fulfilling our purpose anymore. And it says, we are cut off. And the Mosaic Covenant, God said that if you wander from me, I will cut you off. That blessing will not be there. He says, that's, they're in exile, and that's what they're saying about themselves. We also know that the human situation is that of exile, the human situation is one where we've wandered from God. We were created to be in relationship with God, but because of sin, um, we wandered from him, and we were placed out of the garden, and sin has affected all of our lives, and so we might be in a situation today, say, our bones are dried up, we're spiritually dried up, our hope is gone, our purpose is gone, we feel cut off, but God speaks, God moves in that situation. But he wants you, first of all, don't become comfortable with that situation. Don't just settle for that situation. Because some in the nation of Israel did. Dr. Constable, who's at the foremost authority on the Old Testament, said this. Life amongst the Jewish people was not physically difficult. Sorry, life amongst the Jew, Jewish people in exiles was not a physically difficult existence. Certainly, certainly not like living in a concentration camp. They were able to, to own their own homes, to pursue their own businesses and personal interest, to organize their own communities. Babylon was infamous for its luxurious wealth and its excessive idolatry. Life became so comfortable in Babylon that after Cyrus allowed the Jews to return to their homeland in 538 BC, most of them chose to remain where they were. They settled for comfort when God offered them spiritual life. This is a call for us not to be easily pleased and to keep moving in and pressing in until we experience the very life that God has for us, life by the Spirit. So we come to this text, the Valley of Dry Bones. And I'll kind of walk us through this text and give us some kind of commentary along the way. And then I'll point out eight principles that we have to see from this text about living in and walking in and submitting to the Holy Spirit. It says this in verse 1 of chapter 37. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. And it was full of bones. Allow your mind to see this. He led me back and forth amongst them. And I saw a great many bones on the floor. The valley bones were very dry. If you're in a situation of dryness and helplessness, this is where God does his greatest work. And he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? Now, if God ever asks you a question, take a cue from Ezekiel, throw it right back at him. Oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know. 
And then he said to me, prophesy to these bones, speak to dead bones. It's beyond human logic, but it's a command. Speak to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons and you will make and and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin and put my breath in you and you will come to life. And then you will know that I am the Lord. And that phrase, then you will know that I am the Lord is over 71 times in the book of Ezekiel because God wants them to stop idolatry to worship God alone. I am the Lord God. That's why he's moving in your life to where you know that he is God. And he says this in verse seven. So I prophesy and I commanded. And as I was prophesying, speaking the word of the Lord, there was a noise. There was rattling sounds. And all of a sudden there was movement. The bones came together bone to bone. And I looked around and bones were flying all over the place. And I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them. So Ezekiel speaks the word of the Lord. There's movement, there's appearance. But what does it say? There was no what? Breath. No life. We can hear the word of the Lord and just settle for religious movement and settle for religious noise. This is a call, as I've said, not to be easily pleased. And this is a big temptation for we who are people of this book. We love this book. I've given my life to the preaching and teaching of this book. But God says there's more. He says in verse 9, then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, to the ruach, to the spirit. Call upon the spirit, Ezekiel. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesy as he commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life And they stood a vast what? Army. And he gives a picture here of what I want to do in the new new covenant. Adam, the first Adam, died, led to death. Christ, the second Adam, will be a new creation where people come to life. Then he said in verse 11, he said to me, son of man, these bones were the whole house of Israel. They say our bones were dried up. Our hope is gone. We were cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says, O my people. Notice the statements. I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land. Then then my people will know that I am the Lord. I open graves and bring you up from them. I put my spirit in you and you will live. I will settle you in the land. And then you will know that, that the Lord spoken has done it, declared the Lord. I will, I will 12 times in this text. Why? Because the whole gospel... The whole work of the whole gospel is the work of God. This is the gospel. Eight principles that we see in this text. Go to the very verses one and two. Ezekiel says this, I was led by the spirit. He took me to the spirit. We went through the whole valley. There's this sense 
in Ezekiel and his relationship with God, God leads, Ezekiel follows. In your relationship with the Holy Spirit, and if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. In your relationship with the Holy Spirit, you must be willing to follow the loving leadership of the Holy Spirit. There must become a time where you say to yourself, self, um, you're not ultimately in charge. Your life is not your own. That when the Spirit speaks, know what's behind that is the loving leadership of the Holy Spirit. You must be willing to follow his leadership. Paul teaching about living in the Spirit, he says, we follow and we keep in step with the Spirit. The sensitivity in your day, say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to say? How do you want me to walk? How do you, what, how do you want me to generous? And how do you want me to show Christ? And being willing to follow Another thing we know is that this stood as a vast army. Why an army? I believe God wants us to know that every day that we are in a spiritual battle, the Christian life is not easy. Um, you live in a world where you're bombarded with spiritual lies every day. And if you claim the, the name of Christian, you're a Christ follower, follower, the enemy hates you. He can't stand your Jesus. And so we pray, we check in to our commanding officer every day, hearing from him the truth that he wants us to believe, to, bear, to bring to bear on every situation. We are in a spiritual battle every day, but we fight from the posture of victory. Thirdly, son of man, O oh son of man, O oh sovereign Lord. These are the only two ways that Ezekiel and the Lord speak to each other. And son of man is in reference to Ezekiel is from Adam. And O sovereign Lord is the phrase, oh, you are king of kings, Lord of Lord. Everything comes from you and is through you and to you. There's this knowledge in Ezekiel that Ezekiel knows who God is and who's not God. And it's not him. In our lives, God is God and we are not. He has the ability to lead and guide and command. He's God. He provides and we are not. Can these bones live? You alone know. There's this sense of we can never assume that we know what God wants to do. This gets harder the longer you're a Christian. Because of one great theologian said, for many of this, this ain't our first rodeo. We can just fall into Christian ruts and just go through the motions where the longer we're a Christian, we know that God is always doing a new things and we need to be open to God doing a new thing in a very familiar situation, yet always living by consistent biblical principles. We have to be open. God, you alone know and you are willing to reveal. He says, speak the word of the Lord to these bones. We must have a consistent intake of God's word. I want as much of the Holy Spirit in my life as possible. The way I demonstrate that want is I want as much of God's word in my life as possible. Because there's times in my life where I don't hear the Holy Spirit. How do you live when you don't hear the Holy Spirit? And you don't, he's just, how do you live? You live by the biblical principles that you know. There was a time in my life I desperately needed wisdom on a situation. Um, and I didn't know what God wanted to do. I really didn't. And so what did I do while I waited? 
And I focused on this, I think it's Malachi, love justice, was it do kindness, Micah? Micah, okay, yeah, you know. Love justice, do kindness, and walk humbly with your God. And I applied that text in as many situations as I could until I understood what God wanted me to do next in that situation. That's why we get in God's word. We call upon the Holy Spirit. We call upon the Holy Spirit's work in our life. Call upon the breath, Holy Ezekiel. Call upon the Ruach, that the breath, life might come into them. And this is a direct connection to what Jesus says to Nicodemus in his John chapter 3. He says, flesh gives birth to flesh, Nicodemus, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. The wind, the Ruach, blows wherever it pleases, you cannot control the spirit. You, like you cannot control the wind. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. When you hear the spirit speak, it is saying one thing, surrender. Surrender to love. This is also in reference to what Jesus, this Ruach, the breath in John chapter 7 says, let, let everyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. Everyone who believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. These dry bones will live. By this, he meant the spirit. And in John chapter 20, the risen Jesus comes to his disciples and they are terrified. And he says, peace be to you. Calm down, peace. And with that, Jesus breathed on them, ruach. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. You see, it is the spirit of God that takes the word of God and applies it to your life. In my 27 years of preaching, I have been amazed more than once to where an individual has come up to me and said and shared with me how a message that was preached impacted their life. And more than once, I've had to say, how in the world did what was spoken make that connection And then I remember that this is not a human situation, that God takes his word and speaks to you in a way that you need, that applies to you. And we also see in Matthew 13 that Jesus says, when the word of God is preached, when the gospel of the kingdom is preached, it falls on many different types of soil, hard, thorny, rocky, and soft. I will do everything I can do to be as prepared as possible, but let's commit together in 2023, details, 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 um, 2023, to be as prepared as possible. All of us, soft hearts, so this word of God falls on good soil and produces good fruit to his glory. We never move off the gospel. We never move off the gospel, which is God in Christ achieving salvation. See, God puts his power, as it says in the book of Romans, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It is for conversion and then also salvation from sin ongoing. It is God puts his power behind the gospel, which is God's work in Christ. You want to know God's power? Keep focusing and living in the gospel. Um, what's the gospel? Well, the nation of Israel said, we are cut off. We are separated. There was another prophet during the time of Ezekiel's life, and the prophet was Isaiah. And he spoke about a suffering servant that would come 
and it would redeem. And he said, by oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living in reference to Jesus. For the transgressions of my people, he was punished. And so he who did not deserve punished became punished. He who was innocent died in the place of the guilty. He who did not deserve to be cut off became cut off. Darkness over the land, separated from God in the grave, rose to new life and says, know your God, be filled with the Holy Spirit. In the movie movie Pirates of the Caribbean, I'm going somewhere with this, trust me. I'm not a big movie watcher, but I read this illustration and more than one person after first service said it was true. There's a group of pirates, Pirates of the Caribbean, and they're unique because a curse has come over them, a curse from the Aztec, Aztec people, I believe. And the lead pirate that you can see right there says this about themselves because they are skeletons, bones, that appear to be alive, but they are not. The moonlight shows us for what we really are. We are not amongst the living, so we cannot die. But neither are we dead. For too long, we've been parched of a thirst that is unable to be quenched. And for too long, we've been starving to death and have not died. We do not feel the wind on our face nor the spray of the sea on our brow. The only way that the curse can be lifted is if the blood of the captain is shed. And then there's this line that says, since we cannot get the blood of the captain, we'll get the blood of the son of the captain. Same blood. Well, truth is greater than fiction because there was a son who said, I will die for those who are rebellious. I will die for those who need the curse lifted. I will shed my blood. And those who say, I've got no hope, I've been cut off, my bones are dried up, they will live because there will be a new dawn and one day there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And until that day comes, the whole work of the whole gospel is a work of who? The Holy Spirit. He is the great gift that God wants to give. Do you know this Holy Spirit? Or are your bones dried up? Are you settling for comfort? Move in for more. Ask for more. Call out for more. Because he loves you so much. But the worship team is going to come and we're going to sing about the goodness of God. And as I said, before at that time closes, this altar will be open. Would you come and pray? Say, God, send the Holy Spirit into my life. If you'd like to be prayed for, fulfilling of the Holy Spirit, a greater work of the Holy Spirit, myself and my wife and other pastors will be up here. We'd love to pray for you. But don't leave. Be listen, listening and, until you sense like 
Father, we've called, we need. So Jesus, we're desperate for you. Um, Time is short. You do the impossible in the face of death. And so we ask for the sending of your Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening. Here at First Alliance Church, our mission is to passionately pursue God, extend life-changing hope, and disciple people to be spirit-empowered followers of Jesus. To learn more about our church or to hear other sermons like this one, visit us at fac.lex.com.